You fixed all your shit until the next time that your dick accidentally bumps the F3 key and then something's going to be broken because you don't check the tracks. Good news. I don't know how to push the F3 button on this keyboard. Yeah, that's my point. That's why you're going to accidentally flop over onto it mm. naked once. When I bought when I bought black keycaps, I bought ones that are shorter than the other ones, so I can't accidentally bump my modifier keys because they are a lower profile. My favorite part of this is that you're not in any way denying that you might come out and accidentally get your dick on a keyboard. It's not accidental. listening to Boku no Stop, an anime podcast that knows the reason you were born. I'm your host, Sybil Arnett, and with me is... Chris! And Matt. And today we're talking about Monster, episodes 49 through 51, and holy shit, let's cover the content warnings for today's Are you batch, telling me we need a content yeah. warning for Monster? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yikes. Uh, and today's batch includes children being exposed to absolutely heinous sexual content, suicidal ideation. Is there anything else we want to add to that? No. I mean, I would probably just classify that as assault, honestly. <laughs> like, it's rough. Yeah, let's let's just say generalized child abuse as well. How's that? And that takes us to episode 49, The Cruelest Thing. You see, some of Petrov's orphans around the city have spotted the blonde woman during their daily routine. Four of them head out to try and track her, because if they catch her, they can bring in the actual killer and make sure people know Mr. Grimmer is innocent. Three of them follow someone who turns out to just be a roadie. It's a blonde body and a coat, <laughs> and then they turn around and it's one of Arisawa's very craggy German faces. <laughs> calling him a roadie is so rude it but i don't know to whom this looks like a simpson shitpost drawn in urasawa's style oh where yeah, you've just like... put lenny's face underneath someone else's head <laughs> uh the fourth unfortunately finds a liebert and is not stealthy enough to not have them turn on him and that's where we cut out Grimmer hasn't turned himself in yet, showing Tenma to the site of Petrov's final experiment. The kids have been leaving notes on the door proclaiming that uh, the quote-unquote tall man is innocent, and Grimmer notices that there is an envelope sticking out from beneath one of the doors. Uh, this contains a soccer player's trading card, and Grimmer asks Tenma, how should I feel about this what what is the emotion i i want to pick this is like something that ends up getting like being a huge part of this episode yeah 
he, he goes on saying, I didn't know how to react when my own child was dying. Sh- should I have cried? Should I have wailed or gnashed my teeth? Yeah. And, and Tenma doesn't really know how to react to it at this time. Uh, Cause that's a pretty fucking heavy thing to <laughs> try to tell somebody. Yeah. This is, this is outside his experience as a doctor. Mm-hmm. So at this point, the kids find Grimmer and Tenma who are on a, on a playground and uh, they tell them that, Oh, Milos has been missing since he uh, went looking for the blonde woman, uh, which is a, uh, a huge problem. Meanwhile, Lunge is in the hospital interviewing Suk's mother. He says, I heard you had four visitors, including a beautiful woman. Oh, yes, she was gorgeous, but she was very definitely a man. We stand the most problematic genderqueer fave since Buffalo Bill in your <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> what <a> powerful thing! <laughs> Just like only you can start making Jew jokes, Matt. Only I can start dropping lines like that. I, I'm just like trying to find the best way to be an ally here. You know what I mean? <laughs> then what you need to do is just <laughs> nod whenever Johan shows up in a random wig go, wow, holding a bloody knife. Use, yeah, you use the proper <laughs> pronouns when she's, you're describing she's, the murder. It's like, uh, she's just living her truth, you know, murdering people. <laughs> true, true girl boss behavior. Johan is absolutely gaslight gatekeeper. I can't believe boss. you just dead named Dana. All three. <laughs> it, it's genderqueer, so it's whoever is... Uh, Whatever the hairstyle, that's rapidly how you tell. becoming out of my league. Let's move on. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I haven't said anything. <laughs> Swing and a miss, Taylor. Oh, you come Lord. at the queen, you better not. <laughs> Live to post another day. Um. <laughs> uh, it becomes very clear as we check in on Milos um, in a very barren apartment with one of the Lieberts that this is not Anna. The boy lies and said that he was looking for his mother, who happens to live around here. And uh, he said he'll know uh, her when she sees her and that she'll know him, too. You know, it, this whole scene, Anna is like pressing and like saying, how would you know? You know, just really trying so, to, like, deconstruct this hope that this boy has. She goes cold at this uh-huh. part where it's, you know, oh, yeah, I'll see her and I'll know and she'll see me and she'll know, too. And that's when it goes from very gentle to the face tightens and just mm-hmm. put a pin in that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like, yeah. And Anna re- responds with, what if she pretends not to want you when she sees you? Do you think you were born because you were wanted? And just she continues to just lay out this extremely chilling nihilism about how nobody wants Milos. I keep saying Milos or Milos. I can't figure out which one I want Milos. to say. Milos. Actually, it's Milos, but we're just going to go with Milos because it's easier. Yeah. And this all boils down to 
a final line, which is, what is your reason for living? And this is the point where I go, oh, he, f you know, Johan slash Anna found their mother and that didn't go well. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking. That, okay. That's what I came away from this conversation thinking. Maybe hold on to that, but you're close. Mm-hmm. Because this is literally something that's going to come up in the final episode. Oh, great. <laughs> yes, that's why I'm telling you, hey, remember this. Tenma and Grimmer follow the locals and find Anna's apartment. Grimmer takes the lead, and it's at that point Tenma cocks the gun. Grimmer's horrified look as Tenma reveals he's not fucking around with Johan is amazing. But when they bust in, the apartment is empty. Grimmer lays out the tale of his family. When I worked at the newspaper, a co-worker told me she was attracted to me, so we got married. I was told a family makes you less suspicious as a spy. One day, I came home and my boy was face down on his bed, not breathing. I gave him CPR, called the doctor, did everything perfectly, but still, nothing changed. At the funeral, I didn't cry, and she tore into me. How can you be so calm after your son died? Said I never shared my emotions, and that I had no love in my heart at all. And she leaves him. Yep. Meanwhile, Anna is setting up Milos for some shit. Down this road is a crowded area. Your mother will be there, if anywhere. But if she's not there and doesn't call out to you, what will you do? And then she sends him to the red light district, where his mother might actually be. Yep. So, so here's the thing I, I'm trying to remember, right? This boy, was this boy... Wasn't connected to Kinderheim at all, right? Like, nope, this wouldn't have a been a... Okay, yeah, because well, like, I'm trying to think, like, wait, weren't all the parents, well, really, like, political really, dissidents? Really, indirectly, because he was with the old director, but not in the way that Johan and Grimmer are. Right. Right, they're, they're not... Well, I say sourced. <laughs> like, they, they weren't, <laughs> like... Locally sourced. <laughs> 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 I mean, hundred percent organic, is... locally sourced kids. This kid is very <laughs> locally sourced because we do find out in some dialogue his mother is a prostitute in the red light district. Yeah, I, I was just like for a moment I was confused, thinking like, wait, weren't all the orphans from like political dissidents and like other people's families? Like, and it's like, oh yeah, no, this was a different. <laughs> they want to say crop, but it's just a different group of kids, like not yeah. not related to that. Yeah, these um, yeah. these kids were probably all born after the wall fell. What follows is uh, absolutely depraved, and I do not know how much any of my co-hosts want to discuss things like this. There's one bit that we really have to cover because it's probably the breaking point for the child where he is wandering through and people are rejecting him or mocking him. Nobody is saying, get out of here, and he is just seeing progressively more depraved actions until he reaches an alleyway where someone has bent over a woman on a trash can and she's going, how about we go inside? There's a kid watching and the guy gets into this to the point that he is talking about how he is a school teacher in Germany and he's a very good teacher. And then he tips the kid when he's done. Yeah, it is extremely unpleasant. I'm uh, sanitizing the events of what happened in that scene. 
Yeah, it is definitely uh, probably the worst thing that we've seen on the show by a large margin. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, not the the thing that like the thing that I I would say makes this thematically important because like it's it's cartoonish, right? Like to a certain degree, like it is extreme how much this is like. Hi, I'm someone who represents, you know, an authority figure that would be someone who may care about you in society. And look what I am. I am also an extremely terrible person who doesn't care about your well-being. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's supposed to represent broader society. Because, you know, he's, he's looking for, a re, you know, say, like, why was he bored? Obviously, his mother's not around. His mother either rejected him and... You'd think like, oh, what would be the next thing he would cling to? He would cling to another authority figure, like a teacher or something. And mm -hmm. then guess what? <laughs> Your teacher's a rapist. Sorry. Like, ugh, just extremely, extremely gross. Yes. But is there anything else we want to discuss nope. during this sequence before we get to the conclusion? <laughs> no. But this is like basically the point that breaks the kid oh yeah uh tenma and grimmer find milosh and he is on the verge of hurling himself into the river during a rainstorm and grimmer carefully pulls this broken boy back and milosh just stomps on a moth on the ground grinding it under his foot this is what finally gets Grimmer to snap, and he just holds the boy and begins weeping, promising him that he was born for a reason, that he was wanted, somebody wants him, he has a place in life, and he's looking up at Tenma and pleading and going, please tell me I'm right, Doctor, I'm not wrong, am I? And slowly the boy reaches up and hugs back through this, and Tenma says, no, you, you've got it. What well, what is my face doing, Doctor? Yeah. yeah. And I, that yeah. It's a it's a real potent end to this uh to this episode, especially for, for Grimmer specifically. I just the the thing that kind of took me out of it for a second was that he used the same exact phrase that Anna said to Milos, and Milos wouldn't have known. <laughs> Or like, you know, Grimmer wouldn't have known that you are wanted was the phrase that was being used. But I don't it felt a little weird. Um, like it was I can a little see bit you are wanted being something you tell an orphan Especially who just went looking orphan, for his mother and failed. You understand his pain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it's, guess that makes sense. It, it felt maybe like the it, exact phrasing is a little silly, but I can see this being what he goes to. Yeah. And so that is that, taking us into episode 50, The Rose Mansion. Lunge is following directions to, quote-unquote, that mansion, uh, which is surrounded by roses which have grown up over the gates. And uh, one of the, uh, the thorns stabs him, and he, uh, or pricks him, really, and uh, he bleeds a little bit. And he says to himself, roses, huh? just like the castle in Sleeping Beauty. We then cut to Suk, who is dreaming of Anna Liebert, before waking up to see that the ghoulish inspector is sitting at his bedside, 
Lungay says, take it easy. It's so good. Yeah. It's, talk about whiplash. <laughs> oh, don't get up. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll just ignore I'll, I'll ignore your morning wood. Just <laughs> Would you like an iced coffee? <laughs> uh Lungay says, take it easy. I'm not here to arrest you. You must be pretty important to the Czech secret police if you're getting uh, care this good. Uh, the best part of the scene here is uh, Suk begins whining about how much it sucks that he's in the jam that he's in. And Lunge says, uh, just not up, stupid. You're a detective, so act like it. I like, look at the situation, figure out the patterns, look at everything like, I, you know, in a detached fashion and find a solution rather than complain about how unpleasant this is. Yeah, Kasuk is just going on about how much he's been betrayed. Like, you know, at this I don't point, know who to trust pretty... everyone keeps stabbing me in the back. Yeah, except for one person. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> oh. uh, Belugi says there's one way to prevent betrayal, you know, just doubt the person you believe in the most. When... But it is his way of telling him how to put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. It is actually intended to be a clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really hard uh, to get Lunge... a read on where Lunge is at by the end of these. Um, like I said, in the last time we saw him, Lunge is catching on to reality. He's coming out of his own delusions. Yeah. He's gotten back in the saddle as a very good detective, and it's like, ah everything here's the pieces here's what i was missing now this is coming together right because at this point he knows he knows that the quote-unquote blonde woman is the likely culprit for all these murders and Mm -hmm. that Suk was hanging out with a blonde woman named anna liebert (laughs) isn't that convenient um yeah so I, i feel like at this point he's just trying to find out like the root causes of all this rather than like I guess he's also trying to find Johan too, but Yeah, he's got his suspect. He knows mm-hmm. what he needs to find. He's just going at it through a different trail than other characters. Yeah. I do like that Lunge, who is a very good detective, finds a whole series of threads that Tenma and Grimmer and everyone else don't because of that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, it means that his role in the story is, you know, is justified, right? Yeah, but in a sloppier story, everyone would be converging on the same beats at this point, and mm-hmm. instead, the detective finds things that no one else came to because mm-hmm. Tenma doesn't have those deductive reasoning skills, so he's just talking to people and tracing a different route. It's it's very nice that it's not everyone converging on the same beat still. Yeah, no, that that happens at the end of this episode <laughs> that we're recording. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when Luke walks out of the room, a goon has a gun pointed at his head. Uh, he asks, who told you you could be here? And then in a like huge big dick energy moment, Luke proceeds to very calmly walk forward, puts his hand up grabs the gun and points it downward and just like, you know, he doesn't, he just fucking stops. Like the guy just does freezes and doesn't do anything. He just looms at the man. Mm-hmm. 
And then Lunge says, I want to meet your boss. Tell him I know something about a Red Rose mansion. He'll be interested. I'll be very intimidated by someone telling me about LucasArts Adventure Games. <laughs> Great. Okay. Alternate episode art is definitely Lunge with the Ask Me About Loom pin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matt almost, I like how... Matt almost ruined my bit. The symbol came in with the save. I like how, at this point, Matt and I are just trying to out-shitpost each other on episode art on these two shows we do together. <laughs> uh, I've been having a lot of fun on LST doing that, by the way. <laughs> I've been enjoying really screwing around with the monster art. Doing a Kelly-style cartoon multiple weeks in a row was pretty good. Uh-huh. I'm very sad that no one commented on the rap music shirt. Uh, you know what? I, have, I probably haven't seen it. I probably missed it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I what would be the German version of like the crying Statue of Liberty is my question. German version of the Statue of Liberty? You know, like in the Kelly cartoons, there's always the crying Statue of Liberty oh, in the corner. Oh, um It's a crying Berlin Wall. Windmill. <laughs> Windmill. <laughs> it's Holland. How dare you? This isn't Holland. <laughs> We're in Eastern Europe. You What's the difference? You can't say that to us. We just finished talking about G Gundam. <laughs> yeah, and there were fucking like really 40, 40, 40 uh, windmill Gundams. I'm sorry, Matt. It was oh, 39. I'm it's two through 40. I was rounding, Chris. <laughs> you can't round around programmers. That causes problems for us. That's yeah, how you doing... get the GTA remasters. <laughs> floating, real. floating point problems. Are we doing floor ceiling division, Matt? I have to know. Only psychos do Oops, ceiling turns division. out this was a double value. Runke and Lunge have an extended chat. Lunge traced every ID of Emil Sherbe as far as he could and eventually found Franz Bonaparte, which makes me like just snicker every time. Uh, don't it know why. It does sound like a porno name. It sure does. Yeah, it it's it's not intimidating at all. It's it's like nice German grandpa chocolatier name. But Except it's also it like, also sounds like a big dick porn star. Like he Bonaparte. It, also, it sounds like German mashed up with Italian. Right? Like is Bonaparte I mean, a German word? It could also just be another alias, but it's the one these people knew him by. Yeah. Uh, he says, I couldn't find anything on this name, just where he worked from. So he must have been the one to, he must have been one of you in the secret police. Uh, the way in which this happens is very funny because he runs down every alias and everything until Rocky just cuts him off and goes, Shut the fuck up. What are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Not have time Rocky. for how Lunge is. Rocky gets very sick of Lunge's shit. It's just like, Why are you here? What is this call about? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he should know because he was told about the mansion. <laughs> and then he just says, tell me what you want to know. I want to know what you know. Uh, the colonel says he knows nothing, only that one day everyone inside the building, staff, prisoners, everyone just vanished. It is a thing he consciously tries to forget. Lunge then asks, so what about that wall on the second floor? Excuse me? Oh yeah, I went inside. The wall it's a wall upstairs had been hastily and visibly plastered over. Can I break it down? 
Uh, Rick just extreme flop sweats right now, and he's like, I'm afraid if you do, you may die. We may both die. What you uncover may be a heart into the journey of true fear. You want to take that again? No. Why? <laughs> okay. Are you aware of how you just spoke? Nope. What tired. you uncover may be a heart into the journey of true fear. That's true. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm getting big dicked by this guy now. Great. Bonaparte over here. I have no idea. It's fine. I'm tired. Let's move it on. I got like eight hours of work to do after this, after I edit a podcast. Okay. Uh, so Lunge goes back with a shovel and he just starts smashing away at this wall. Uh, there's a pretty good shot of him where he's taken off only his coat and he's still in the white work shirt and just bashing down the thing. Yeah, but then you cut mm -hmm. to him again and then his tie has loosened a little bit. And then the next time you cut to him, he's rolled up his sleeves. It's very good. Yeah, mm. we keep showing it from the view of the wall collapsing. Like you're looking at yeah. him as the door that he finds behind it. Yeah, I, I was watching the scene and I'm just like, bro, this is what sledgehammers are for. Don't use a shovel. What are you doing? I was thinking pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like it it looks like it's cement. Like it doesn't look like it's plaster or anything like it's pretty hard stuff. And like mm -hmm. having broken down things uh, that are made of like serious stonework, like you need a fucking sledgehammer. <laughs> like it's really I, hard to do that with a, with a shovel. I can see why. A detective would not use a hammer. You don't want to break anything on the other side. Mm -hmm. I just think a pick is a better choice than a shovel. <laughs> yeah. So, behind it is a door which has had its knob removed, and Lunge just pushes it open gently. And we smash cut across town to Tenma, who's investigating ah! Bonaparte as well. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't cut back for, like, two more seeds. It's so good because they just show him pushing it and starting to cross the threshold and then smash cut to the doctor. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Um, yeah, he's also investigating Bonaparte, but he's doing it the much more pleasant way. Coffee with the man's ex-editor. This guy was the one who worked for him when he was uh, Popey uh, under that alias. And he, you know, came to him with different books. They met. They would chat over time. He'd play with his kids in the garden. Bonaparte would. Uh, his daughter found him terrifying, but that was about it. She probably wouldn't remember it anymore. Could he have been working for a government agency? Oh, probably. I always assumed as much. But Bonaparte was gentler, classier than the other VIPs in power. Made him distinct. I mean, he was a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and a practicing brain surgeon. And mm. Tenma starts shifting uneasily at the mention of the last bit. He came by in, I don't know, 81, 82. Had a story, I was the monster falling in love. Like Sleeping Beauty and Beauty and the Beast mashed up. Terrible story, I rejected it. I remember he was walking out, but he stood in my doorway and looked back. Said he had another pitch. The door that must never be opened. I asked, what's behind it? Is it you know, paradise? Is it too good to be true? Or is there some monster hiding there? And he goes, well, nobody can open it, so I guess there's no story. That's the last time I ever saw him. Weird guy. Mm -hmm. We do get to see, like, an image of him, like, in shadow a little bit. But, like, you can kind of see his features. 
it's interesting yeah. to see. First time we've seen this dude. Yeah, he's only been spoken of. So yeah, this is your first clue at any identity. When Tenma leaves the house, Grimmer is down the road, and there's a lot of conversation, but it just boils down to, are you following me? Yep. The editor, however, realizes who Tenma is. He checks a newspaper and is like, yep, I knew it. I knew I'd seen that face. Weird Asian guy. Weird about brain surgery. I'm calling the cops. And so, cut back to Lunge. Yeah. Lunge walks inside the room and uh, says to himself that it uh, reeks of ethanol and other antiseptics. He began uses the uh, shovel he brought to pry so, off. Uh, I have a question. Have any of you ever been in a space that reeks of antiseptics and nope. ethanol? Um, well, I when I was on a political campaign, the office was actually in an old um, funeral home. Mm-hmm. And I was told that the basement reeked of um, formaldehyde, but I never went down there. So in my day job, I have been in the building when somebody knocked over a 20-gallon drum of ethanol. Ooh. And we had to, we couldn't evacuate the building. We had to open every single door and window we could to get the fumes out. No smoking breaks were allowed on our block. And it is the most, when he says it is an overpowering scent, he means it. I worked in the front office. The spill was in the warehouse and I could still taste it through a mask. It is like if you walk in a room that is just doused that highly in it, hell Oi, uh, <laughs> and like this place has been boarded up, uh, so like it's definitely been contained in there. Like yeah. probably seeped into everything. Oh, it's in the wood. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah, definitely in the wood. Actually, that stained the concrete of our warehouse. You can see where it is if you know what you're looking for. Oh boy. Yeah, we uh, we will never light a match anywhere near that because we're pretty sure the rock would go up. <clears throat> Well, anyway, he goes into this room. He has a shovel. He starts prying these boards off of the wall that they've been nailed to, like, make sure nobody gets in. And uh, you start getting light into the room. And then he notices that there are what looks like faded bloodstains all over the floor. And he says to himself, how many dead here? Ten? Twenty? Probably a lot more. Finally, at the other end of this large room, he sees a painting of a woman who was in Bonaparte's sketchbooks. And he says to himself, this this is the mother of the twins. And it looks extremely like Anna and Johan. Yep. Mm-hmm. So back with the... Uh, I want to say back with the boys back with Grimmer and Tenma. Uh, they, uh, they go check in to see how uh, Milos is doing. He's playing, having fun again. He's kind of, he's a little out of it at first. Uh, he's playing goalie and, uh, or keeper, whatever. And uh, he takes a soccer ball to the face when he wasn't paying attention. And the boys, but the kids like, love like, him for it. 
Yeah. They're Good like, save, man. Yeah, well done. <laughs> you saved a goal. <laughs> and he it kind of breaks him out of his uh his spell. And uh Grimmer says, oh, he was never good at any good at soccer, and he figured out why. He said, because it's a team sport, and he's too used to working alone. He then tells Tenma that Suk's stuck in the same spot the doctor is. Uh, there's no way to prove his innocence, no way to investigate if he's locked up, and there's just no other way to prove, like, there's just too much circumstantial evidence pointing towards Suk. Then Grimmer hands Tenma a letter and the doctor looks horrified and he can't even fully respond. And Grimmer says, yep, these are letters from the serial killer to the police, even through some details that aren't in the papers uh, to make it sound more convincing. The, the kind of things that only the killer would know. And this, freak, <laughs> this freaks Tenma out completely because, yeah, Grimmer's going to take, you know, going to confess to all of this. He's going to take the blames just to let Suk off. Yeah. All the cops, all the secret police deaths, everything that's happened in Prague. Oh, yeah, it's me. It's Grimmer. <laughs> Putting his name on it. Grimmer's like, I'm writing myself out of the show. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, Ten was like, you'll be locked up forever. And Grimmer says, well, you'd think that, but Wolfgang Grimmer was a pretty good spy. But Grimmer being the elite spy that he is uh, might even be able to make it out to say Germany. And besides Grimmer never really existed. That was just the name that I was called out of convenience and uh, he can go away and I'll be all right. So in a final turnabout on this, you know, journey, just to sort of wrap up the relationship here between Tenma and Grimmer, Tenma makes the other man promise that they'll meet again and have a picnic with good wine and good cheese and catching rainbow trout and all that. And well, no, this is this is the rebound from when you had so many people going, Tenma, stay, Tenma, come back. And he was on that suicide mission. Tenma's coming out of that arc. Mm. He's the one making him promise we're going to have a future. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's, a, you know, bookends the... You know, especially with Grimmer specifically because of the, the picnic yep. they had early on. Um, but yeah, and as as uh, cop cars go by, Grimmer says that uh, he's going to flinch at that sound for the rest of his life. Sort of, you know, he, but he says it in like an amusing fashion. Like he seems yeah, he's still grinning. Yeah, still doing the grinning thing. Um, so a random kid falls down and uh, scrapes his knee. I don't think this is one of the orphan kids, right? This is just no. It's just kid. some boy. Yeah, and Tenma does the Tenma thing and goes to take a look and cleans up the wound. And as he looks up, there are detectives and policemen there. Uh, one of the men say, "We have orders to take you down to the station." And when we zoom out, we see that it's not. There's like guns drawn at him from like five different cops. And that's hey, the end of the that's episode. That's where we stop. Uh huh. <laughs> Well, not 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 the show's episode, but this episode yeah, of yeah, Monster. That's, that's where episode fifty ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turns out they arrested Tenma. There was a show trial in Eastern Europe. Uh, Johan got away. God, hmm. imagine if we did that though. Imagine if we just started a completely different show. If we were closer to April, I would absolutely do that for an episode. <laughs> oh yeah, I I agree. That'd be fun. 
That's what the Patreon podcast did for a while. Just like, I'm done talking about this. This sucks. <laughs> Next week, we're going to talk about Lupin the Third. Mm-hmm. We need something more lighthearted. That takes us into episode 51, The Monster's Love Letter. Our cold open is Margot Langer, the real one, crying as she reads a letter from her friend in Prague. She and the incredibly hairy-chested Shuvald are in bed, and she relates the story of getting across the border and her friend being caught. Tonight, call me by my real name, Helena Novakowa. Kawa? Who cares? And, you know, just for bonus points, let's talk about how the last thing we see is her crawling on top of him from his POV. Oh, yeah. Uh... J-O-I, call me by my real name, Helena Novakoa. Uh, someone's going to turn this into a fucking VR thing, aren't they? Look, people have already told us they love hearing me say filthy things and that it works in my voice, so... I'm going to take it, because my tits earned me a copy of SMT5. Nice. Yeah, I didn't have to pay for the collector's edition. Nice. Yeah. It's really affirming on a lot of levels. We return to Dr. Reichwein, and he's practicing again. One day, he'll be good at it and do it for real. <laughs> a guy with alcohol problems is, try <laughs> is trying to get him to see a woman quickly, but he refuses. He has a house call to make. Which is very funny, because that means he walks by her and just stonewalls her in the lobby. Yup. And it's Shuvald. He shows him photos of a trip to the Czech Republic. Was it there by the Chadok Bridge? The three frog sign was there, but I didn't find the woman, nor Tenma, Dieter, or Nina. But check out this great beer I had. Yeah, he's <laughs> showing him all sorts of travel photos along with the things he went for. But isn't he basically blind? He can't see these photos. Uh, he can see, you notice he's holding him right up to him. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to tell, but like the other times we've seen like him being able to see things, like it was like right in front of his nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so like showing him photos is real goofy, like even across a table. Another flashback to a young Shuvald who is now giving a pregnant Margot Langer a rabbit's foot keepsake for their child's protection as they are about to split off. In the modern day, Shuvald has not been eating, according to Carl, and he says that it's not because of trauma. It's knowing Johan is still out there. The monster is on the loose. In 1980, we see more young Shuvald, who went to look for Margot again in Prague, thinking that she went back to see her friend. She did not. However, he does meet said friend, the mother of the twins, still unnamed, and the whole time while they spoke and caught up about Margot and said, yeah, she got out, she has a life, the twins were listening right behind her, each grasping a leg. And they both look very sinister as children. Mm hmm. You know, it's funny, too, right? Because Shuval says something to the effect of Johan knew way more about Margot than even Carl did. And that's because he was there listening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yep, if you have not put it together, yep, definitely the same woman, definitely mother of the twins. That's how Johan got involved in this aspect of things, but eh. The next day, Reichwein sits down with that new patient who was referred to him, but before we begin, his nurse kicks in the door and is like, Doctor! He's on TV! 
Dr. Tenma! And the news is announcing to the world that the world-renowned surgeon Dr. Kenzo Tenma has been arrested in Prague for his serial killings. While the mm-hmm. nurse and doctor watch in the back room, the patient wanders in to see as well. And this patient is Ava Heinemann. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, the last half of this episode is alternating between a couple scenes moving forward, the cast and various people as this news comes out, and a long procession of patients and cast he's, that Kenzo has touched over the course of the series, discussing the news and thinking of what they can do. The old yeah, doctor and cranky woman and... The, yeah. Oh my god, he's such an asshole, still. It, everyone. Like, we get the people who stood up to the cops when they were recovering while Kenzo was still practicing. Mm-hmm. All kinds of folks. And it's yeah. you know, this goes on for a bit. Yeah. In fact, I, we're we're not going to discuss it, but we keep cutting back to one or two groups of them during this whole thing. I'm sad that yeah. the old man doctor isn't coming back. I like him the most. Don't worry, we still have more scenes to come, but not in this episode. I would have definitely fucking laughed if the weird German couple on vacation was there. <laughs> Just it almost felt like they would do that, fucking, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, okay, this, I gotta say, this whole, like, revisiting everybody and, like, characters coming back into the story feels super goofy to me. Matt, an like, hour ago, non-sexual fan service is good. <laughs> Let me tell you, this sucks more in the manga, where you get basically, like, one scene a week for a bit, and then it's all this shit. Yeah, it it just feels, in a show that has been, like, pretty focused, and, like, it it knows when, a, like, a vignette or, like, a, uh, a story arc is over and then moves on, it just feels real weird to be, like, revisiting, like, Becker, right? Yeah. Um, like Ava coming back, I, I could be fine with because she's kind of tied up in this enough to where that would matter. Although the fact that she ran into Shuvald is a hell of a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, to some degree, I guess he, he, he has treated alcoholics, so I guess that's He's the fine. only is surviving that... therapist in Germany. Also, <laughs> she's there because she's hooking, she's basically fucking another alcoholic rich stock guy. Yep. That is true. Yeah, yeah. We didn't mention him, but uh, God, what a fucking sleazy, oily dude. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. He looks like he's made of about 30% petroleum and hair gel by volume. Oh, uh, he's so gross. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just, this didn't, this should have felt like a hell yeah, like we're revisiting a bunch of characters. To me, it just felt real weird. Interesting. The liberal hates the mini plot line about collective power. Well, they don't have collective power. <laughs> is they're the going to? Are they? Why else would they be doing this? Uh, because it makes them feel better about it. I don't know. Like, like that's the whole thing. Becker basically overhears these patients and be like, "We're gonna help him. We're gonna start like, like a fund yeah, to like but pay for is his a legal shit." Fail guy. He's a dipshit fail guy who seems to like he looks like he's doing pretty well for himself at this point. Like he's been a doctor for a long time. I don't know if they say it or not, but I like to imagine that while Tenma is on the run for the manhunt, 
Becker is just suddenly the chief of surgery because he's the most senior person in the staff. Oh, yeah. I'm sure at a certain point, like, he has moved up a little bit, like, maybe not as much as he would have, you know, given the political stuff that he mentioned at the beginning of this show. But, like, he definitely looks like he looks less schlubby to me in this scene. Like, he looks more put together. Uh, during all this, we cut back to Shuvald, who's now directing orders through Carl. Uh, we don't know which state they're going to try him in, so hire lawyers on retainer in all of them. The best criminal defense attorneys we can find. So he's basically turning into Peter Thiel. Yeah, he is. He's just straight (laughs) up going full, I have infinite money, fuck it. And he's going to try and stall out and save Tenma via every legal trick he's got with infinite resources. Look, he just thinks... Yeah. Well, like he he just he just saved himself a ton of money by donating those books. Like, yeah, they all burned, but he definitely got the tax write off first. Oh, one thousand percent. Turns out that even puts him into the red for the year. So he's going to get more breaks. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, Ava and Reichvine are on a train to Prague. Reichvine's a little pissed. She's coming along. It's like, I'm going on this trip to save a friend's life. And here you are sightseeing Miss Heinrich. Heinemann? Oh, shit. Like the daughter of the dead guy that they say he killed? <laughs> Didn't put this together until now. No. That feels very much like a Reichwein thing to do. He's just like so focused on like what he's tried to do. He didn't even think about it. Yeah, she just tagged along and he was too busy to stop her. And only at this point. Okay, the part where she's in your train car is fucking over the top. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you haven't gotten any information at this point, get it together, dude. No wonder you almost got murdered. Yeah, well, he can't body slam Ava the same way he could the thugs. Although that would be a really funny turnabout on the scene. (laughs) Uh, But Ava starts cracking up. She's like, oh, I know Kenzo. Tenma is the man who ruined my life. And now I'm the only one who can save his. You see, I saw it. So, Suk is still in the mob hospital. Uh, as he is watching the news, he finally puts it together uh, that Lunge is basically telling him to suspect Anna Liebert. And ties it all together, you know, with Tenma, the blonde twins. And he immediately goes, oh, shit. I got to do something about this and starts dragging himself out of bed and down the hall to get to Prague. And like, he still can't walk normally. Like he's still really in rough shape. And he did get bullets through a lot of joints. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I would just say like, he's really pushing himself to do this. And uh, as he's dragging himself sort of across, you know, down the hall two detectives confront him and, they tell him that he's been exonerated, saying that uh, Grimmer wrote letters that and made a full confession, and he's suddenly Prague's most wanted man, and every single charge against Suk has been dropped. And Suk is, like, shook by this, because, you know, Grimmer's part of the reason why he's still alive. Yep. Meanwhile, in Prague, it's unsure if Lunge even knows about the Tenma arrest yet. Lunge is returning to the Red Rose Mansion 
and he removes the painting of the woman from the wall, and there's a letter clipped behind the frame. Back in his hotel room, uh, the police chief has gotten in contact with Mungay, and he is elated, and then, like, a mix of elated and furious, and it bounces back and forth, depending on what Lunga says. Yeah. Uh, it's basically saying that, like, don't you vacation me, you asshole. Oh, you wonderful bastard, you did it again. Catching Tenma in Prague, you were definitely there doing work. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's going to be extradited to Dusseldorf, and uh, I want you to be the supervisor for the transfer. And then Lunge cuts him off saying, can you have someone else do it? I'm still on vacation, sir. And the look on his face is so good when he says that. He's mm-hmm. <laughs> just the, like big smirk on his face. And he hangs up over his chief's protests. The, the chief is like, you're going to get full credit for this. Like, you're going to be, you know. Yeah, the chief thinks the entire reason he went here was chasing a lead off the books and that all of this arrest came down to him because he doesn't know shit about shit that a random guy Tenma talked to phoned the cops. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, would you blame the chief for not thinking that? <laughs> or like, it, it seems like it'd be a very Lunge thing to do. <laughs> That's so. true. It's just incredibly funny to me that he instantly goes, here are these dots, and did not just look at the matter, because I feel like a cop could probably have figured out how that happened, or gotten the full story. Yeah, and it's not like... <laughs> it, it's not like... Or his... been told it by the fucking Czech police. Exactly, yeah. He yeah. should have been in contact. That's why I'm saying he did not ask clearly, and that's why it's so funny to me. And I'm sure the chief, like, talked to the chief of police of Prague, and he would have been like, yeah, Lunge was here, but he wasn't involved at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my yeah. officer did this. With... What? No, I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> well, no, he does know. They they knew each other from, uh, they had that whole conversation about the, uh, the book. Uh, yeah, that's fair. It just, that yeah. would have been the response, you feel yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she should have known better. This guy's just like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to get a promotion, <laughs> or like a big bonus or something. <laughs> but anyway... At the station, Ava and Reichwein find out that they are too late. Uh, Tenma is already being transferred to German custody and is going to be brought back to Dusseldorf. While Tenma is being led through the halls, Lunge isn't the officer on duty, but he is present. And he muses aloud as the doctor passes, saying, Do you know who's the hardest suspect to crack? Someone who stays expressionless, doesn't say a word, no emotion or response whatsoever. Tenma perks up, catching the hint. Okay, gotta complain about the subtitles here, because the all of these sentences have a question mark on here, as though Lunge was still musing to himself and never gave an answer. Yeah, no, the, the voice actor is doing it in that very dry Lunge read. Do you know who's the hardest suspect to crack? Someone stays expressionless, doesn't say a word. No, but what Just- I'm saying is... Every single one of these sentences ends in a question mark in the in the in the subtitles, which makes this impossible to parse. So I did find out uh, between our last recording and this one, part of what caused the giant drop off in quality in those is that for the first chunk of the series, those are the official subtitles from the DVDs that got released. And after a certain point around the Eastern Europe stuff. 
they turn into fan subs. That's why it's suddenly very inconsistent and why nobody capitalizes Carl's name in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why this has gone to shit. Mm -hmm. But Lungay just passes by and begins reading the letter he found at the back of the painting. But he finds out maybe that it's not a letter. Perhaps it's a draft for a novel. And he reads it to himself. Love letter for a monster. I thought I wanted to devour you whole, but instead you've been consuming me. I wonder what I look like to you as I'm falling apart. You left me a beautiful jewel. The most grievous sin is to take away someone's name. So I'll give yours back, Anna. I only feel sadness now. Lungay pauses and thinks to himself. He now has proof that there is a devil. And in that room where dozens, maybe hundreds have died, a monster was born. Yeah, this is... We are now into Endgame. This is going to set off everything that rockets us toward the finale. So how do y'all feel? I'm really tired. (laughs) Of the show, we're just... In general. Okay. Thanks for asking. (laughs) I'm I'm glad that... uh, I could be there for you, Chris. Yeah, I... I didn't say I felt comforted. Yeah. I would... How do you like them apples? I'm very happy. (laughs) I was once upon a time going to be a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. It's good to know that I can touch people. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah, I just... You're not supposed to do that. That's (laughs) that's against the rules. Why do you think I'm not one? (laughs) Poor fucking Matt. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i just that first episode was extremely rough and i i mean the i could see how like story-wise thematically it makes sense like it feels a lot like the stuff with uh albedo in episode two right like we were talking about where like Mm -hmm. oh yeah this is real brutal and it makes perfect story sense but did you really have to make us watch that (laughs) like was that necessary so it felt a bit gratuitous I want to ask you a question about that. If they just showed the kid wandering through a montage and going dead-eyed, do you think it would have the impact if we just get to the end and he's standing on the bridge? Nope. I mean, no. And that's kind of like, that's, and again, the, the thematic part of that is a key point to like really driving that home. But like, That's not thematic, that's the plot. Like, directly. If you want thematic, I'll also point out, remember the bit I told you to put a pin in with mothers, and the most grievous sin is to take away someone's name, so I'll give yours back, Anna. Mm -hmm. Hold on to these things. Okay. I'm going to (laughs) forget about them. Make sure you put them in the notes later. I will. Yeah, when (laughs) we get to the finale, I will spell out probably the most brutal undercurrent of this whole arc. Yeah. I mean, I like the Lungay stuff, though. Lungay's great. Yep. Lungay back on his bullshit and at full power is pretty good. I love also, him. it's just it's just kind of weird that um, that Nina is around but isn't present at all here. Yeah, because- uh, Nina and Dieter being absent is something you should be questioning because we haven't seen where they went. Right. 
Yeah, and they don't even show up in like the roundup of all the characters, right? Like Reichwein's nope. there, but yeah, Nina's MIA and and Dieter, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, uh, with that, we'll be back in two weeks. We're covering episodes fifty-two through fifty-four, and we're finally gonna meet a lawyer, Alfred Ball. Only fifty-two episodes. Sorry, only about fifty episodes later than Tenma should have spoken to one. I know, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's actually really funny to me that I'm pretty sure that character is the first time we get an actual on-camera lawyer. Uh-huh. I can't wait for you to meet him. All oh, right. Like Elfred Ballin. He is. Imagine the big dick energy on a lawyer in this series when you've seen what all the cops and the therapists look like. Hell Yeah. Yeah. Ready for this guy to be a law and order lawyer? Yeah, very much so. Let's go. See ya. Peace. It's certainly an ending you won't see coming. I was busy reading this study about user interfaces. (laughs) We get it. It's true. Who's the real monster on this podcast? not me, that's for sure. It's me. It's me. You know it's me. (laughs) Look, I had to throw it out there. Say it, but you can. You're pre- you're a protected minority. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is I don't look good with short hair anymore, so I can't go full Johan. That's the only thing stopping you from going full Johan, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a teen, I was perfectly twinky. I could have done that without any problem. He's talking more about the other stuff, not the physical appearance, but whatever. Yeah, okay. no shit. <laughs> and she was playing with you. I didn't consent to being played with. Inappropriate. <laughs>